0: You don't have to be an AT&T or a Comcast to start some of these uh, local broadband initiatives to really bring
1: up your speed. Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm Christopher Mitchell at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance in St. Paul, Minnesota. Today, I'm talking to Scott Vanderlip, the co founder of Los Altos Hills Community Fiber and president of the LA HCF board. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you because I I've, I love these stories where um, someone gets in their head that they should do something and they actually do it. <laughs> it's really inspiring. Um, uh, but for people who aren't familiar, just tell us a little bit about Los Altos Hills uh, to start.
0: We're right here in Silicon Valley. Um, you know, we we border up to Palo Alto, Mountain View. I can see from my house. I can see Google headquarters. Uh, You would think, being in Silicon Valley, we would have good broadband here, but there's a lot of people in my community uh, that are literally, they they are not just underserved, they're unserved. We have people a little bit higher up the hill that there's no AT&T, there's no Comcast, uh, they're on satellite or point-to-point microwave, they're paying like up to nine. I know people that pay $900 a month to get a 100 megabit service to a point-to-point kind of a thing. And you know, and then this town we're we're kind of a unique Silicon Valley town where we're zoned RA one, and so that's residential agriculture. So we actually have people that you, on your property you can actually have cows and horses. So we're spread out quite a bit. We have one acre lots, and so that maybe has prevented a lot of the uh, the telcos from coming in and upgrading us because we are rather spread out. But still, we have a lot of high tech uh, executives that live here, and li- they scramble. They I talk to people every day on the phone. They they plan their day around, okay, you know, at nine o'clock, you know, you get you get one hour zoom and then you, you know, grab the car, get in the kids and take the kids in the car, go down and hang out in front of McDonald's and get some Wi-Fi there and do zooming virtuals, you know, assuming when they were I had to go online school, they they plan their days around their internet, lack of internet. I uh, I decided, you know, this is we need fiber's right there. It's so close. It's that last mile. We need to bring it right to our homes. There's no reason that we shouldn't be having gigabit or even faster service right here. So we started uh, this project.
1: And um, when you say uh, your neighbors and whatnot, this isn't like a town of like 400 people. Uh, this is a significant size, even though you're pretty well spread out.
0: Yeah, so we're about uh, about 9,000 people and about 3,000 homes spread out here right along the peninsula, just heading up the hill from, uh, from the bay.
1: I feel like, you know, if, when I talk to people in the Midwest, sometimes they'll give me a count of the cows or the sheep or something like that also. But uh, we don't need to, to go into that level of detail. Um, how many homes are connected by your solution? We're going to talk more about the origin story and everything, but I just wanted to paint a little picture for people about what you've done. So so what have you done and how far have you gotten?
0: So, yeah. So we started off with a smaller pilot of about uh, six homes, and we sort of confirmed that all the pieces came together. We have a, a dark fiber lease circuit that we use where we connect directly to a, uh, a data center in Santa Clara. We go about 40 kilometers we come here and where we uh, and then we provision it locally with our own built uh, member owned and operated fiber optic network. And and so we confirm that, you know, that 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 dark fiber lease and connection works with Hurricane Electric works and all of the pieces come together. And we can, you know, simply install this plastic in the ground and pull the fibers and run it to the homes. And it, it works. So, you know, let's so we scaled up. So now we have about. I think 35 homes connected, but in the next uh, probably in the next six months, we probably have well over even maybe a hundred more homes that are kind of in the pipeline. We've been waiting to get some uh, town permitting and agreements and stuff. You know, it's, it's been taking, it takes a lot of, you know, you basically have to get the town's permission to uh, really deploy this. We've been deploying it, you know, so far more on private roads, private properties and, and, but at some point you have to cross a public road and, and that was stop, stopping us for a while, but we have now passed that. We got
1: that um, approval uh, at the end of August. Oh so that's uh it's fortuitous timing for our interview. Um, most people are are familiar with my show with the town themselves doing it, but in this case um, you've done it with a with a group of people who are like minded and willing to to put a little uh, uh work into the project uh, and the town um, it seems like at least some people in the town aren't super supportive of it, but we can talk more about that later this sort of that seems like an accurate overview is that right
0: yeah we've we've had some some pushback not really from residents so much, but yeah, there's been some challenges, uh, but I think we've got people more on board now and, uh, and yeah. And so the town has sort of officially uh, designated us as an official provider. And, and, and a lot of that's just because we are, well, yeah, so we are, we are not a municipal project. We are a owner, you know, a residence owned and operated uh, mutual benefit corporation. So we're not using any town money for this project you know, we only build where people want us to build. And so it is quite a bit of a different project. And then, so the town doesn't really know what to do. We're not a cable company. We're not a telco. They didn't know how to they go, well, we, we can provide. If you're a cable company, we can grant you access to the roads. But, well, you're not a table company. You're not a telco. So they didn't want to grant us access to the roads. And we're like, well, we have we can't move forward unless we are actually digging and putting our pipes in the ground. So they finally have admitted that we are legit now.
1: Yes, this is something that uh, I've discussed previously with uh, Travis Carter, both on on this show and on the Connect This show that he and I do together. Um, He runs a fiber network in Minneapolis and talks about his experiences in the early years permitting. And and when you go to the city and they're not used to this, they have to figure out which bucket to to put you in. And if it's not clear, no one in the bureaucracy wants to make a decision. Right. Right. nobody
0: Nobody wants to take that risk. Nobody really wants to admit, you know, And so this community broadband organization, I'm trying to find, you don't qualify. And so it took us a long time and a lot of, we even worked with the PUC, that's the California Public Utilities Commission, and they couldn't really find a a thing that would really fit their requirements. And so, in fact, so these local states need to actually come up with new, easy certifications that smaller, similar uh, broadband cooperatives can get uh, go and, you know, apply for a license, you know, and then, then you're official and then it grants, you let the cities go and say, okay, yeah, this is another type of entity and now you can build in the right of way.
1: Yeah, I mean, just for people's context, this has, again, come up once or twice in conversations I've had recently is that um, in many cities, there's no one working for the city that has any living memory of what it's like to build a significant network, because that happened in the 70s and 80s, typically with the cable networks. And since then, people do a little bit here and a little bit there, but nobody's really built a massive network. And so you know, they're used to dealing with tens or hundreds of permits when a uh, network might take tens of thousands of permits for depending on the city. The other thing I wanted to make sure people knew is this, that you've partnered with next level networks who mm-hmm. uh, runs your ISP services. And so, um, so you've built, you're more focused on the physical infrastructure and, and they can tend to take care of a lot of the, uh, the provisioning and things like that. It sounds like.
0: Uh, no, no, actually, no, uh... it's not right. <laughs> so no we are so we are more the governance model and the membership model and the and getting in the crowdsourcing model no next level actually they're great and in fact they you know I really give Daryl he's definitely more as much if you know if not the founder but the, the a similar co-founder Daryl Gentry of Next Level Networks so, yeah, so they're they're our full installer and network management professional services company. The the uh, I'm president of the Los Altos Hills. We're the, non, the mutual benefit corporation. We hire them to do our installs and network support. So that, that's where we differentiate. You know, we're a not-for-profit, sort of like an HOA.
1: You own it, and they do the work. We,
0: we own it, yeah. The organization owns the fiber, and then, you know, we could contract with another professional services company, if next level wasn't here to do our installs, but yeah, they actually do the installs. They do the ordering of the equipment and installation as well as pulling the fiber and then lighting it up and then doing the home installs and then, and managing the network. So, but you know, but you got to have this other umbrella organization that uh, takes care of the governance and, and the, uh, and sort of the organizational side of it.
1: Yes. What What's the origin of the story of the, of the network? It, it sounds like um, you mentioned, uh, in our, as we're getting ready to record, you noticed that I was on Comcast. It seems like maybe if Comcast had quoted you a, re- a reasonable fee, that you might not even be in this position now with this amazing 10 gigabits in your home.
0: Yeah, that was one of the emphasis. Um, so the guy next door has fi- uh, has a cable Comcast or, or it's on a pole on his property. And so I got a quote from Comcast. I said, yeah, you know, I wanted some faster service. I work out of my house here. And you know, they quoted me $17,000 to come three telephone pulls. I'm like, you guys got to be kidding. You know, I, you know, I couldn't cost you that much to string, you know, cable for three telephone poles. So I, uh, am like, you know, that's, that's just crazy. The, the origins of, of how this got started. I really can't take credit. We had a, um, the, the town, we have a, a lot of, uh, town volunteer committees and we had a committee called the Emerging Technology Committee. And one of our major tasks, we were, um, doing was to uh, try to bring broad, better broadband, you know, gigabit broadband. We didn't even care which way, you know, whether they were going to, we, uh, how we could get, we just wanted to be able to offer gigabit broadband somehow, you know, go out and find a vendor to do that. And so we actually did a RFI, request for information from lots of different vendors to say, what can you do for our town? We, you know, we sent it to Comcast and AT&T and, and Verizon and, and, you know, Sonic and everybody and, you know, and said, you know, what can you do for us? You know, can you give us a bid, a quote or a concept, for bringing gigabit uh something or rather doesn't even have to be fiber to this town and they basically all got back just to said not really except for one company and that was Next Level saying hey you know i've got a plan how about we develop this mutual benefit uh you know resident owned and operated fiber co-op and we can help you launch that and so they uh, and so they were one of the companies that reached out to us and and then we took and ran with them and said, yeah, let's do it. So and then the other magical thing that happened. So I started working with uh, Durrell, and, you know, and, and then sort to make this work, you have to be able to find some dark fiber uh, pretty close. Well, it turns out, you know, I live right next to the school. The school had a dark fiber project with a middle mile fiber provider from Zayo and Grand Castle. And so literally like, whoa, you know, he goes, you know, you have dark fiber, so we could actually put this in your shed that's on your property and we could make this thing. So that was the other thing magically came together it was the fact that, you know, that we met uh, Daryl the Next Level. We had dark fiber in my backyard. I really wanted this to go forward. And and, you know, those sort of things magically came together. And um, and, it, and now it's happening and it's happening now on a much, much
1: bigger scale. No, and I feel like a person listening might be like, oh, wow, it sounds like it was kind of easy, but it wasn't. And there's a lot of points I feel like other people might have just given up. Um, You know, one of them being if you're not able to cross public roads and just feeling like, is this even worth pursuing? But uh, but you stuck to it. So, you know, what was it? Because we don't have a lot of examples of people doing this. Um, You know, what what made you want to see this through as opposed to saying, well, it was a good try, but nah."
0: This is such a win win. I have really we have, you know, I've worked on many projects in this town and there's times when, you know, you have anti people and you have people that, uh, you know, want to support your project, you know, and you're you're constantly sort of battling in this project. Everybody wants me to succeed. There's just (laughs) what I see. There are no anti fiber people. Right. I mean, who who wouldn't want more communications, Internet options for their home um, and more competition, And uh, because we really have one, you know, Comcast is the only provider and then they really don't provide it. There's a lot of gaps in their coverage and and incredibly expensive installs. You know, a lot of times a single install, they you know, they quoted $80,000 just to connect to go underneath underneath one street. I knew that we were going to win or, you know, get this done because there was really nobody saying, uh, you know, nobody really fighting against us. It was just it just took a long time for the town to admit that, yeah, this is good. And and we should be able to let these guys move forward. So um, yeah, so I've worked on other projects that are actually much more frustrating than this. This just it just takes a long time to kind of get everything uh, rolling. Um, but yeah, and there's so much interest. You know, a lot of these people, you know, they're Google executives, and you know, and and they yeah, at the same time, they can't even get. They have really poor bandwidth. You know, they're or they're literally on satellite or something, and so you know, they 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 pay millions of dollars for their house, and they still. They still have to go down to Starbucks just to download a big file.
1: Yeah, that's unbelievable. (laughs) True. I absolutely believe it. Now, speaking of that, you know, did you have someone that just cut you a check for a million dollars to to get the project started? I mean, that's another barrier is is getting that rolling. So, how did? Where did the first financing come from?
0: That's the great thing. So, this is entirely resonant funded. We do not uh, go out and get a big loan or anything like that. So the. First initial project was like, you know, $30,000. Um, and, you know, there were six people put in $5,000. That's $30,000 enough to seed the initial uh, hub and and equipment. And then, you know, and we're leasing this other line sort of on a monthly basis. So yeah, we did not, does not require a lot of big capital upfront. So we probably initially, you know, 30, 30 $40,000 to launch the initial pilot. And then everything we build now is pre-funded. So before we go out and start building any, uh, conduits and and in the ground, we get people to agree, you know, we get people to actually pay and in the bank, uh, the funding for the backbone the conduit and everything. And then once we get the funding, then we'll actually go ahead and design the project and you know, finish designing it and, um, and actually do the install. So we're not taking on debt. So yeah, so basically, it doesn't cost a lot.
1: What, what technology are you using?
0: It's what called a home run. Mm-hmm. So, home run is basically, you know, we get we bring in the dark fiber to a hub, and from there, every single home has a single piece of fiber going directly from the hub to their house, and it's so a complete star. You know, a home every every home comes all the way back to the hub that has the super high speed capacity. And if, if so, if ten gig isn't enough, we need to light up another ten gig channel. Mm-hmm. We can light up another ten gig channel or a hundred gig channel. So everybody has, you know, it's not like if. It's not like too many people on a node, where you have so it's just a single, single point. You know, we can support about three hundred people from a single uh, cabinet, and so we'll have a couple cabinets around town, and but we can run really dark fiber circuits, you know, between the cabinets. So, but but everybody has a direct link directly back to the hub. So. Right, because
1: I was I was trying to imagine. I mean, if you had Engineered this in, in a, a lot of the cities that build their large scale networks. It's a passive optical approach with the fiber. Um, and getting into that, I, 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 you know, you have to buy a rack, you have to like have a number of things. And I, the approach you took is one that scales much more nicely at those small ends, I think. So, I just, um, this is a little bit over my head, as you can tell. Um, but it's a, a detail I thought might be worth um, noting. Right. So, ex-
0: you know, what when you're speaking of speed and, and design, so you know, I, I have this idea that you know so we, we are lighting our network up for all of our customers at 10 gigabit and
1: most of them probably have a home router that can do like 500 megabits or a gig <laughs>
0: well so that's the thing I mean so a lot of the consumer grade equipment most you know most our standard install is actually one one gigabit and so our, our equipment is actually designed for one and yeah most almost everybody's home network is not designed for more than one but we are still lighting um the network at 10 so if people have their own SPF fiber converge uh, they can actually be Actually get ten, 10 gigabit service but, you know and you can imagine how many people in America can get uh, for one hundred and fifty dollars a month, and that will hopefully come down to hundred dollars a month uh, ten gigabit service you know that's a very commercial type speed you know and there's entire communities that they have ten gigs for their entire community and now you're getting it to your one house um, and so I'm hoping that you know maybe in a year we might be the fastest broadband community in america there's a, There's some other community in Florida that I 'm competing with, but
1: probably a hot wire town
0: we're lighting up our our residents at 10 gig i think is a unique thing that you know will will put us on the map and there's no reason why not i mean we can we can download this that speed here and and we can continue to upgrade our speeds as needed if, when more people connect to get to get good uh, speeds out there so
1: yeah i mean i know of entire towns that have 10 gig but um the price point is usually much higher usually about 300 or 200 and very few people take it, so absolutely you're at the the bleeding edge and uh, and that 's a remarkable price um, now I want to ask i 've seen something um, about volunteers, and I feel like I saw you did a survey, and a lot of people said that they 'd be interested in volunteering to help spread the word and things like that. Um, how much of this have you had help on um, you know uh, how much can people like if they' if they want to do something like this in their area and there 's not a lot of places that have that level of technical sophistication will admit, but nonetheless, like how much can you count on other people that, um, are busy folks? You know, how much did other people pitch in?
0: So first of all, the, we have a, um, a growing network of what we call neighborhood champions. And these are people that really they're, they're just, uh, going out and, you know, they like the concept. They don't even have to be technical, but they know they want fiber in their home. So they, they ring doorbells next door and they get groups of projects together. So they go out maybe find another 20 people and, in their neighborhood and they go, you know, okay, um, you know, do you guys want to get fiber? Let's get a project going. And they start collecting names and then they, and so they come back to and say, okay, look, I've got, we passed 20 homes. 10 of those people are interested. In, can you get us, can we go to the next level? Can you give us a project quote? We give them back with a quote to say, okay, you know, further your, for your 20 homes, it's, you know, maybe $100,000. So that's uh, $5,000 per home. So, you know, those people are going to have to. So we go back and then we tell us people it's 5000 And then if, if those people all agree, they all write checks for 5000 And then we go. Ahead. So so we actually have a group of about 45 neighborhood champions. And so these people are, are more going out and spreading the word about it. Rather, they don't really have to do the actual technical uh, installation and the home installs and certainly managing our, the network. And so the volunteers are are primarily doing the outreach um, rather than the technical side of it but, but they really do help I mean I, I could never do that you know we, we don't have any people we don't we don't like Comcast where we send letters to everybody it, it's much more <laughs> of a neighborhood ringing on doorbells and they have sometimes we have picnics and 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 potlucks where we get together and talk about it and try to get neighbors involved and we have a lot of zoom calls where and we get on We get on different meetings to try to encourage people to join into a project. And so it's very much a door-to-door neighborhood kind of. uh, And then we, we build where people want us to build. If there's a section of town and they don't want us to come, we're only going to build where people have sort of paid ahead of time for us to install the fiber there.
1: And this is um, not a town where you have a significant amount of low-income folks who will just be left behind for lack of ability to pay, I'm assuming.
0: Yeah. No, I saying this the, the cost, you know, so the basic install cost, the one-time install cost, you know, as a total ballpark, we say between five and ten thousand dollars. And then there's the $150, or you know, maybe it'll come down to 100 dollars a month. So those are the two numbers. This is not, if you're looking to save, save a couple bucks off your Comcast bill, this is not necessarily, this is really should be looked at as a home improvement project, a $5,000, $10,000 home improvement project that's going to last for the next 20 years and provide you with uh, great resale value for your home. And, and it's going to provide a service that, you know, you and your kids can now be running Fortnite, you know, at, at way better latency than you could before. So, um <laughs> You know, the kids are going to like it. You know, everybody that's Zooming at home is going to love it. It's, um, and everybody's streaming. It's it's just the future. And it's a good investment for your home.
1: For these champions, did they evolve a, a script? I mean, I can tell already that you can, you know, you have a way of talking about it. Is, is that something that evolved as different people talk to their neighbors and things like that? Or how did that come about? Well,
0: that that's the whole design. It's, it's a crowdsourcing model. So, you know, you, a neighborhood wants it they have to get together and and decide who wants it. And then we give them a price and then they, it's sort of like doing a big group project. And it's like putting in a sewer project or a new water line for a group of homes and everybody gets together and decides, yeah, I want it. I'm willing to pay for it. And here's how much it's going to cost. And then you get every, and, you know, some people may drop out and then the, maybe the cost goes up because you got fewer people over the distance.
1: Well, th- that I get. But so I guess what I'm asking is you're you obviously a kind of person who's comfortable, you know, talking. You're you're someone outgoing, it seems like. Um, you know, let's say that for instance, I'm a person who um, is, is very good at uh, engineering, but I'm not super social. And I would like to go to my neighbors, but I'm intimidated by it. I'm not even sure how I would start the conversation. Um, do you like coach up people like me in that situation
0: yeah we've got a whole bunch of materials that you can you know either write into an email or post on send in postcards we've got some marketing materials you know i'm not to call marketing but yeah outreach materials you can copy and paste and add your name and say hi i'm your neighbor this is a project we're doing you know would you like to learn about it more you know learn about the project so yeah it does take somebody more social sometimes more out outgoing to be a good neighborhood champion Um, But a lot of times the word just kind of gets out more organically, too. You know, it's sort of like when you cut a tree and the tree guy comes, the guy goes, hey, I think I need my tree trimmed, too. And so, you know, you just start uh, talking. And of course, this is it's 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 house to house, neighbor to neighbor starting to talk to each other. And actually, we have some road signs we put out on the road Santa Fiber projects happening here. And so that gets conversations started among uh, neighbors, And then we have a big database of all the champions and and we're building as people get, want to get connected. We get all their contact information and we share that with the champions. And then, so it's sort of organically growing, but it's growing very quickly because people realize this is going to be a great benefit for them. I mean, there's nothing really better than fiber and there's no other communication medium uh, that's going to, you know, in my mind, that's going to do better than fiber in in any sort of foreseeable future. I, I don't think there's any sort of wireless solution or some other medium that's going to deliver data any faster, any more cheaply than than, than fiber.
1: I did see in one of the articles, which sometimes um, even in the tech press, they get a detail wrong or two, um, that earlier in the project you were looking at, um, or perhaps Next Level Networks was looking at some wireless solutions here or there, uh, but those have all been set aside then and and just focused on the fiber?
0: Uh, no, no, actually, it's okay. You know, our original plan was to actually build everything out from the hub and just start building outward. Mm -hmm. But we realized that some of the most underserved, unserved areas of town are like miles away from the hub where I am.
1: They're never conveniently located. That's a rule.
0: (laughs) So we came up with this concept of what I call a fiber island. So a fiber island is, uh, you know, so there's maybe, you know, 20, 30 homes and they're a mile and a half away, two miles away up the hill. But they, they, they really need service. They have no service. You know, they're on satellite and everything. So we have a point-to-point, uh, very high-speed, 10-gigabit uh, radio. And But locally, within their 20 homes, they're all connected, and they've invested in a local high-speed fiber optic network. And then we just provide, initially, we plan, you know, for the next two years or however long it takes to get the fiber to them, we provide a very fast, high-speed, 10-gigabit backhaul with a point-to-point um, and then, you know, when the fiber gets there, they just simply remove our fiber, our radio backhaul, and we connect in the true fiber backhaul. But meanwhile, they, they, that local neighborhood is already up and running now with 10 gigabits. So they and they've invested in that in the ground infrastructure mm-hmm. that they can use moving forward.
1: That's great. The last question I had is is also like you've gotten some good tech press. Uh, I assume you've had a lot of other people coming. Have you heard? Has anyone actually? hitting the same levels of success that you have or um, is there still people just starting out? What have you seen?
0: So I know next level is actually working on several other projects in Woodside and Los Gatos. So yeah, there's no reason that um, other communities should not do what we're doing. You know, assuming, you know, I mean, if you need, you know, you probably need one of the main requirements is finding good dark fiber backhaul Though we have a project, you know, there's other projects. I know the next level is working on where their backhaul option was lighted fiber, but still that that's better. And then they can still build their own localized uh, fiber network. And then at some point they might be able to find dark fiber, but either way, no, it's like I said, we, we built this, you know, this pilot project for $30,000. This is that you don't have to be an AT&T or a Comcast to start some of these uh, local broadband initiatives to really bring up your speed. It's, you know, I, I think there needs to be a reasonable size of scale, You know, I mean, I think maybe, you know, 10 homes might be a little small, but maybe 50 homes might. In fact, there's another co-op that I know that we're we're, uh, that we were going to help and they decided to form their own co-op. They they have about 50 homes and they're up in Woodside. And so they decided to do their own mutual benefit corporation and, and launch. So, you know, 50 homes. I mean, there's no reason that a small 50 home community or even if that's a small group of residents can't start one of these projects as well.
1: Great. It's very inspiring. So, um, I really appreciate your time sharing that with us today.
2: Great, yeah, great talking to you. We have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter, his handle's at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter, the handle's at muninetworks. Subscribe to this and other podcasts from ILSR, including Building Local Power,